You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was newly ordained, I was called to a most extraordinary parish with a most extraordinary rector. Father Scott is still the best priest I know, though he is now a bishop. I could reel off a long list of his skills, but what makes him truly extraordinary is that he makes you feel special just by being in his presence. He's not a big talker, but a calm listener. He has a real warmth about him and a dazzling smile, but he has something else, this indefinable quality, a calm joy that just radiates out from him. Even when people at church were anxious about something or when I was anxious about something, even when people got mad, Scott was able to remain even and kind and calm. I asked him once how he was able to do that because I don't have those qualities exactly. I wondered how he could be calm and loving even in the face of other people's anger and anxiety and judgment. He replied, well, I know for sure that I am a beloved child of God. What? That's it? That's what gives you all this peace and zen-like calm, I wondered? I confess, at first I thought that seemed a little bit corny, a bit of a thin explanation for how to handle the slings and arrows of life. But he said it so sincerely and was clearly so centered in that reality that it shaped everything about him. That calm, that joy, his ability to do hard things, take hard stances even in the face of opposition, all while being kind and loving, well, that only comes from a real assurance that he is beloved. Beloved. Beloved, that is what God says to Jesus at his baptism. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And people are streaming out to be baptized. But John promises that another is coming who will baptize the Holy Spirit. And then he arrives, Jesus of Nazareth, steps out of the throngs that are surrounding John in order to be baptized. Now, I'm sure people were expecting someone much more magnificent than this anonymous guy from Nazareth, a backwater town that might as well have been called nowhere. He'd been recently traveling from Galilee, a suspect place from the start, filled with mainly peasants far away from Jerusalem, the seat of political and religious power. 
So this guy Jesus steps forward to be baptized and John plunges him into the river Jordan and as Jesus comes up out of the water, the heavens are torn apart, the Holy Spirit descends upon him and God speaks, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Beloved, my child, pleasing. Notice that this baptism, this bathing in the Holy Spirit, this naming as beloved child comes at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark before Jesus has done anything, before we know anything about him. There's no annunciation story in Mark. There's no birth story. There are no magi. No, the beginning of this gospel is the baptism of Jesus, the beloved of God. And why that word, beloved? Why not Savior or Messiah or all-powerful? And why now? It's not as if Jesus has done anything yet of any note as far as we know. So far, we imagine that he'd been working as a day laborer, relatively anonymous until this moment. And yet a voice rips open the heavens to announce, you are my son, the beloved. And then Jesus begins to live in to that. Immediately after this, Jesus is driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan, who begins by attacking who Jesus is, his identity, tempting him to prove who he is. If you're really the son of God, then prove it with miraculous feats. But Jesus, secure in his belovedness, doesn't give in. And then empowered by the Holy Spirit, he begins his ministry that will change the world. Because he is beloved, because he knows deep in his bones that he is beloved, Jesus can be love in the world and can give that love away. God has not announced that Jesus' life will be perfect or easy. We know that's not true. In fact, the heavens being torn apart at Jesus' baptism is like the temple curtain being torn apart at his crucifixion. So somehow these two events are related. His baptism, his identity will lead him into sacrifice. But his belovedness frames his whole life, assuring him that he will never be abandoned by the Father. Jesus is the sign, the icon for us that we too are beloved. That is the voice we hear, are meant to hear at baptism. Beloved. It's not a guarantee that our lives will be easy. It is not a promise that God has a perfect plan for our lives. 
but it is a promise that we are deeply known and loved, so beloved that we can risk giving away love to a world in desperate need of it. It can sound corny to talk about love this way, but this is the promise we get from God. You are beloved of God. You, you, all of you, beloved of God, not because of anything you've done or haven't done, and you are beloved in spite of anything you may have done or left undone. One of my other heroes, Father Greg Boyle, the Jesuit in California who has lived, loved, and worked with gang members for decades, loving them no matter what, radiates this kind of belovedness too. He used to say that nothing stops a bullet like a job and he started Homeboy Industries as a way to make sure that former gang members had a place to go. But over the years, he's come to realize that what people without hope really need is a sense of kinship, of belonging, of belovedness. In his book about his life with these homeboys and homegirls and learning how to love them and letting them love him, in this book, Tattoos on the Heart, Father Boyle includes this astonishing poem from Hafez. Admit something. Everyone you see, you say to them, love me. Of course, you do not do this out loud. Otherwise, someone would call the cops. Still, though, think about this this great pull in us to connect. Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying with that sweet moon language what every other eye in this world is dying to hear? Why not become the one who lives with a full moon in each eye that is always saying with that sweet moon language what every other eye in this world is dying to hear? Admit something. We are dying, starved for love, and so is everyone else around us. But if we dwell deeply in the original belovedness, that belovedness we are about to declare as we renew our own baptismal vows and baptize Francis Elizabeth, that belovedness that only God can and does declare for us, then we, we can become the ones who share that love that the world is dying to hear. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.